At Rebel News, we're not afraid to have dangerous discussions, and we want to have them with you at our upcoming Rebel Live events, first in Toronto, November 19th, and again in Calgary, Saturday, November 26th. Just go to rebelnewslive.com to get your tickets today. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show we call Breakdown. It's our daily analysis of what went down at the Public Order Emergency Commission. That's the official examination of the Trudeau government's actions in invoking a wartime law, the Emergencies Act, to extinguish an entirely peaceful anti-mandate protest in the nation's capital that just had grown a little bit too embarrassing for Justin Trudeau. And we just wrapped up, Celine and I and William over there, and K2 behind the camera, we just wrapped up a 12 hour day, 12 hours, yeah, 12 yeah. full yeah. hours in the commission room. And no we're, we're joined today by trucker lawyer, Keith Wilson, just to uh, my left here. And Keith, it was a crazy day today. Uh, we heard from the director of CSIS and then the top spy in the country, the assistant director of CSIS, and then the top intelligence analyst, analyst, I guess, in the country. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I'll go directly to our first clip uh, after we set it up, but the director of CSIS, that's David Vigneault, he testified that CSIS was not investigating the convoy as a whole. They said that there were some what they call IMVEs, ideologically motivated violent extremists. That's a term I hope I never hear again. It's just so droned into your head after daylight today. But he said that they were not really investigating the convoy for any of those things. There might have been people uh, who were attaching themselves to the convoy that were sort of on CSIS's radar, but the convoy itself was not a threat, according to CSIS. That's right. They didn't feel they met the threshold and their intelligence didn't support that there was anything to investigate. Isn't that interesting? And yet, and we'll get to it in a bit, the CSIS director, David Vigneault, advised Justin Trudeau to just drop the hammer anyway. Yeah, Uh, I think we'll get to that in a second. Let's go to clip one. This is the CSIS director uh, testifying that they were not investigating the convoy. Right, but the service was was not investigating the anti-public health measures movement broadly, for example, and it certainly wasn't investigating the the. Uh, the convoy itself as a discrete topic, no. is that right? As was mentioned earlier, uh, we are prevented by law to investigate uh, protests and lawful dissent. Uh, we have, uh, we're not investigating the convoy itself. Uh, our, our interest is to understand how that dynamic is potentially influencing individuals who may, individuals that were known already to CSIS, uh, and others potentially to uh, to radicalize further and engage in potential uh, threat-related activity. So we were not investigating the convoy. Right. You know, that's interesting because the, the CSIS Act specifically restrains CSIS from uh, surveilling or examining lawful protests, including anti-government protests, as long as they're peaceful. Yeah, and I mean, that... I think we all take some comfort in that or should, but I think we all similarly had some unease about this whole concept of um, ideologically motivated extremists. When they were talking about the definition of that and how broad it was, yeah, and it's somebody who not only believes something, 
but believes on it to the extent that they want to act it out and change the world around them to have the world around them be different than it is today. It sounds like a Christian. I was just about to say, it sounds like religion or an environmentalist or, you know, a scout leader. Right. Um, I mean, where do we stop? It just seems this is, and they mentioned it's a new thing. And and the first time I started reading up on this. We used to call them terrorists. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah. but, many but, definitions these days. No, yeah. no, we used to accept that there's people that have different views about how the world should be. Right. And they're entitled to stand on a street corner and, and right. tell you all about yeah. it. They're it's entitled to start to a club. Yeah. And 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 push these views. But now it seems to be a trigger of whether or not the government gets to, to watch you and whether it puts you in an offside zone, which is uh, was disconcerting to hear some of it. Yeah, and I wonder why they they changed the phraseology, I think probably to make it more broad, right? Because we used to say, okay, well, that's a terrorist doing terrorist things and that's a terrorist cell. And now it's ideologically motivated, violent extremists. But we've also seen how they changed the definition of violence to include inconvenience and honking. Yes, and how people feel. Right. As mm-hmm. opposed to, and, and that was really clear through a, a number of the testimony today that they've also morphed that. I mean, we we associate on an intuitive level violence to be, you know, obviously reprehensible, but something that's physical in nature. Right. Right. And we've seen throughout the inquiry, starting from the very first witnesses from the city residents, that it was felt aggressions and right. felt violence. One of the senior police officials also talked about that. So we're getting a lot of um, uh, double speak into language that is very disconcerting. Yeah. Um, well, I think one of my favorite clips today, though, is clip number two. And this was the lawyer from the JCCF mm-hmm. uh, examining the top security apparatus in this country and making them answer to every specific portion of section two of the CSIS act, which is the bar. It's the test. It's the bar. <laughs> if you, you have to hit four of those mm-hmm. two or, you know, one at least of one four. of the four, yeah. Yeah. But they hit none of the four. And actually they didn't even worry about the fourth because they said it was so um, non-existent that they didn't even bother investigating. That's right. You have to hit one of the four to, initiate the emergencies act and so let's go to clip two because it's quite astounding that a terrorist group was going to pretend to use an event in order to conduct a terrorist activity well of course that would be of, of interest to CSIS but we are very very conscious and aware of balancing the rights of individuals in a democracy like Canada with our our own mandate and our more intrusive techniques Okay, uh, Mr. Vigneault, um, so looking, uh, let's look at, uh, we can look at A first. Uh, based on the services assessment, there was no espionage or sabotage associated with the protest, correct? That's correct. So uh, this 2A definition wasn't met? No. Okay, and uh, there was no foreign interference? Um, we have, uh, I think it's in our, uh, our uh, testimony that we have said that we investigated foreign interference in relation to the event, including foreign funding, and we do not see these activities amounting to a threat to the security of Canada. So 2B wasn't that? Yeah. Thank you. 
Uh, and uh, there wasn't any serious violence associated with the protests? Um, I would not say that. Or a credible threat of serious violence? Um, that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at, you know, how these events the, uh, or individuals, you know, might engage in activities that meet our threshold. Uh, that um, this is where I was answering questions earlier about, you know, distinction between what, what law enforcement would be doing in terms of serious violence versus what we would do uh, as a CSIS under the confine of the CSIS Act. Okay, I'll be more specific then. There were no activities within or relating to Canada directed toward or in support of the threat or use of acts of serious violence against persons or property for the purpose of achieving a political, religious, or ideological objective within Canada, correct? Yes, and we've testified to that earlier. Uh, I think, uh, so so T 2C was not met. was not met. Okay. And um, just quickly, there was, no, uh, there was no credible threat to overthrowing our established system of government? I can say that we have not investigated uh, under 2D. It's astounding, because if you watch mainstream media, all you hear is that this was a seditionist plot. Well, and this is a, another theme that's emerged where the law is clear, the test is clear, it's a checklist. You cannot invoke the Emergencies Act unless you can check certain boxes. Yeah. And the testimony from the OPP intelligence people, the RCMP, the Ottawa Police Service, um, the Solicitor General for the province of Ontario, senior government officials, the Deputy Attorney General or Public Safety Minister uh, for Canada have all been the same, which is none of the tests were met, but then they proceed to say, and as we heard today from the Director of CSIS, well, I recommended it anyway. Yeah. And that is illegal. That is an unlawful thing to do, particularly when you're talking about invoking a measure that allows the federal government to intrude into provincial jurisdiction, which they did, and strip Canadians of fundamental rights, freeze their personal bank accounts, freeze their corporate bank accounts, prevent them from meeting businesses from meeting payroll, preventing parents from paying for daycare, rent, and food. Right. And subsequently, we found out that they were denying bank loans after the fact, like Farm Credit Canada was mm -hmm. guilty of that. Um, and yeah, after the fact, that takes us to our next clip. Uh, the same CSIS director who just testified that none of the benchmarks were reached by the convoy under Section 2 of the CSIS Act, he... And I think that what he, there were documents that said that he would that we saw, I think it was February 10th, where he was saying there are no plots within the convoy, there are no serious threats within the convoy. I think he might be the only law enforcement official who uses the word violence correctly in this whole thing. Um, but uh, by the 13th, I think he met with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and all of a sudden things changed, and he said that it was because he received outside legal advice, but I hardly think it was outside because he got it from the Justice Department, which wanted to invoke the Emergencies Act anyway. Well, I think the Prime Minister wanted to invoke Definitely. the Emergencies Act. <laughs> and Definitely. He, he needed someone to say, okay, good idea. And we didn't learn until yesterday of the existence of that document. And this is another problem. Right. Uh, since leaving the hearing room, we just got served again since you left the hearing room we just got bombarded again with another large document dump 
from the federal government, despite the fact that half of their witnesses have already testified, the conduct of the federal government and how the commission is allowing this to happen without consequence and doing nothing to bring fairness back into the process is severely undermining the integrity and the credibility of the commission process and and this whole this whole hearing right because you're not even getting the full scope of the evidence and you're trying to craft questions but you can't ask questions if you don't even know what the full story is as we were there today you you and i saw it firsthand we're mm -hmm. sitting behind brendan miller and the the freedom team and they're getting documents dumped on them they're getting documents oh, yeah. that yeah. were suddenly becoming unredacted yeah. and then brendan miller's got a fight to re-examine a witness who he's just getting new evidence on while the witness is testifying. No, it's horrible. The conduct that we've seen is, is uh, I mean, it really just goes to show people um, how, gosh, what's the nice way of saying this? There's Don't not nice. a nice way of saying Don't it, actually. Nice. Um, but the incompetency <laughs> of the federal government, 100%. Oh, I don't think they're incompetent. I think they're conniving. I'd say arrogance. Yep. <laughs> Evil? Yeah. Evil? Well, that too. But Synonymous, I, I mean, yeah. I say that because... They, in the same way that they took advantage and so um, uncaringly stripped 6 million Canadians of their ability to travel and be right. with loved ones mm -hmm. and, and have their fundamental right of mobility, how they so quickly made the decision that everyone, if you worked at an airport or in a train station or were a federal subcontractor or a prison guard or a park warden, etc that you had to be vaccinated yeah. without any consideration of you know if it's a if it's a 21 year old park worker yeah the risk of the vaccine is far higher than the risk of of covid um so in the same way that the government's so been so cavalier about trampling canadians rights that same cultural approach of this trudeau government we're seeing manifest in the inquiry process in real time on live TV. Now, uh, can is there any sort of, I don't know, anything you can do about that? Like, d does the commissioner know that they're giving you these document dumps on the witness while the witness is testifying? Hardly well, seems fair. Well, two things happen. One is a, a judge in any hearing or proceeding or a commissioner or a tribunal member will only keep the respect of the room if they treat the parties with respect. So when a party is completely out of line and the decision maker, the person with the authority does nothing about it, then there's no point in anybody else being in line. So if the commissioner Rouleau doesn't do something about this, I think he's going to lose control of the room. Um, that's, that's just sort of a practical human nature thing right. that happens um and you already started to see flavors of it today with yeah. the frustration of the lawyers yeah. but the other thing that normally happens is that the 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 judge or in this case a commissioner says all right well what do we got to do to make this fair if you're just getting these documents now normally what they would do is they would adjourn right automatically it'd be just an instant adjournment i've seen this in regular court cases all the time all somebody the time. tries to bring in a surprise document do you want an adjournment you got it right right and then and there'd be a cost consequence and other things so there'd be an adjournment and then what would happen is um there'd be a rescheduling and then you'd have an opportunity 
to re-examine that witness and rely on that documentation. I don't know what he's going to do here. We're in our last week. Um, he's up against a time crunch, but I don't know what he's going to do. I just think it's so ridiculous. They have entire departments dedicated to getting documents in every ministry. It's worse than that. Yeah. The reason it's worse than that is of all the parties who knew first right. that they were going to have to gather these documents. Exactly. The federal government knew on February 14th right? because they know it says right in section 63 of the act within 60 days of invocation or revocation of it, you have, there's going to be a public inquiry, right? Which so, they delayed. Which they delayed. But yeah. the point is they knew first about this obligation. They have the largest legal department in Ottawa in terms of law firm. Uh, they have endless resources of staff. And so I think it's a combination of tactical yep. uh, to throw us off, to prevent us from having the good stuff, to frustrate us, to model us up. Mm -hmm. And um, just their sheer arrogance combined with their incompetence. He's already lost control of the room at that point. And you started to see in the very, very beginning, there was some sort of standard that everyone was setting. People were more respectful, we'll say. There wasn't a lot of objections in the beginning. People were allowed to go. He gave time. I understand that there is a time crunch towards the end of this, but at the same time, you have to equate for the fact that when you have the other half of the room that is receiving all of these documents that no human on this earth can possibly go through, they know these things. We're watching them they read know the these documents. Things. Yes, yeah. Well, not only that, just to add insult to injury, not that I'm going to get much worse. There's a fair number of the documents that we've been able to go through since I saw you last, yeah. you know, seemingly moments <laughs> ago. Yeah. They're <sighs> illegible and they're undated. So we can't make them out. They're, they're screenshots of text messages, but you can't, they're so blurry and pixelated that we can't tell who they're from and who they're to or what they say. Another incompetency so from yeah, the federal just, government. Uh, you just start to feel like they're playing us all for fools and maybe they're right. I don't know. I hope not. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they do have endless resources. They have doc like departments of people that all they do is gather documents for them. Yeah. And they've had months and months. They delayed this once. And now while Bill Blair's testifying, you're getting more of his text messages. It's crazy. It's sick. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's go to clip three, please. Efron in studio. It's uh CSIS director, David Vigneault explaining that despite uh, the fact that the convoy didn't rise to the uh, level of Section 2 of the CSIS Act, he told the Prime Minister, you know what, do her anyway. Uh, so, sorry, that threat that you're speaking about is with respect to individuals, but there, the protest itself did not pose a Section 2 threat to the security of Canada. What we've testified to is that we did not uh, made a determination that the event itself, uh, we, uh, and I think it, it's, it's part of our uh, testimony, yes. Okay, and yet you still advised the Prime Minister to invoke the Emergencies Act? Yes, I did. And you did that not because you thought that there was the, the protest posed a threat to the security of Canada as defined in Section 2 of the CSIS Act, but because you were reassured that threat to the security of Canada had a different meaning under the in the context of the Emergencies Act. I think uh, my testimony was uh, was in part that, but it was also based on all of the other information that you know I became uh, aware of during uh, all of the interdepartmental meetings and, and cabinet meetings I participated in. So it was I was provided uh, that opinion was provided, if you want, as a uh, national security advisor, as opposed to a uh, the director of CSIS specifically.
He said, oh, wait, wait, I didn't catch that the first time. He said national security advisor. That, so that's Jody Thomas. Right. <laughs> we all know how that went. What sort of intelligence could she possibly give to something when she has zero policing expertise? Um, she has no history of anything. She's appointed by Justin Trudeau. That's it. She, uh, that was the council. Yeah. Are you kidding? Well, and uh, if I'm understanding what happened today, and I think I am, they were never at like CSIS was never asked to provide a threat assessment on the convoy to cabinet. Did I get that right? They actually, I think went around CSIS. No, they, they provided a threat assessment and all of their, well, they provided assessments, assessment. whether, mm -hmm. whether yeah. it's technically a threat assessment or not, I'm not yeah. sure, but they provided assessments on two occasions. Right. They're in evidence and both of them concluded that they were, that was not a threat to national security. Which is odd because if, why even get an assessment from CSIS if CSIS's assessment is not going to be the assessment you're going to use to invoke the Emergencies Act? which relies on CSIS assessment. Because <laughs> that whole line is something they developed in the last week. Right. Because they saw all the evidence coming out. Because remember, Mendocino said no fewer than seven times in the House and various committee meetings that it was the police forces that asked for the invocation. Right. Yes, that's right. And yeah. once we started having each different police force multiple times testify, wasn't me, wasn't me, wasn't me, they started to run out of field to run on. Right. And then when the bureaucrats came in and said, well, it wasn't us, it wasn't us, it wasn't us, they now had to come up with a completely brand new story. So that's why it makes sense. It's because they're they're fabricating it because they need to, They and, and you really saw it, as I said, when we did uh, one of these sessions after last Friday, that when we had the... Uh, uh, some of the senior officials from the Privy Council's office and the Prime Minister's office testify that they were testing out this new approach, which is, well, it might not have technically met the definition, but we all felt that it was the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, and we also saw some of the documents that they sort of just breeze by. And a lot of times I'm reading the document not what they want you to look at, but everything else is probably the stuff you should be looking at. <laughs> uh -huh. And one of them was that CSIS said that invocation of the act, specifically unnecessarily, would be a thing that would radicalize people to their IMVE status because it would confirm all the things that people like you and me already think about the government, that it's crooked, <laughs> yeah. it's tyrannical, yeah. that it's so to get you um, and it's intolerant. And they said, Invoking the act is going to push people in that direction. So don't do it if you're concerned about those things. And the government ignored that recommendation because it suited their political agenda. Yeah, to be clear, CISA said two things in, in the written documentation from the time, which is in law the most persuasive, not the stuff you make up after the right. fact when you get your hand in the cookie jar. Right. Right. And it was doesn't meet the test, no threat to national security. And oh, by the way, this is probably a bad idea. Right. This could inflame yeah. things. That was CSIS's documented position while the protest in Ottawa was ongoing mm -hmm. and prior to the invocation. This, oh, uh, the head of CSIS testifying today that, yeah, no, none of the elements were met. The legal tests weren't met. We're clear about that. But I told the prime minister it was a good idea anyway. 
that's all been made up. That's cover for the prime minister. Um, track this gentleman's career and you will see, mark my words, he will be probably within the next five to 10 years, he will be the ambassador to Italy or maybe the ambassador to Bahamas right. or Grand Cayman or I don't know, maybe France or Germany, you know? Right. Maybe he'll replace Bill Blair. Yeah, no, that, I think that, that's a guy. Who I think more, something more cushy. Oh. <laughs> now, uh, before we let you go, um, we'll finish up with the CSIS uh, clips. Um, apparently, too much time at home on the internet. It's one of the crazier things. I'm like, this is not political. This yeah. is just insane. I yeah. can't believe these are our security professionals. Well, I looked over at you and I was like, well, I wonder what happened in the last two years to cause people to be inside for such long durations of time. Like, yeah, are you like, kidding? We've been really tracking the rise of IMVEs since 2020. I'm like, what could have made the people so mad at the government in the last two years? I have no idea. Well, you know what? Being radical, right? <laughs> like they accuse other people of being radical, but imposing all these lockdowns and restrictions that are unscientific, that's very radical. So all of these projections onto other people calling them misogynist racist radicalist you name it they seem to house a lot of those um traits themselves don't you think it's true let's mm -hmm. go to it's clip four efron thanks do, do you have any sort of further comment on that threat environment from 2020 to today has it changed in any way or has it uh, remained the same I would say it is increasing, and, and I'll pass to my colleague as well, but I would, from the CSIS perspective, part of the concern is you're seeing a lot of this type of discussion in more mainstream media. And we know through some of the uh, individuals that we would be concerned with, and as I mentioned a number of times today, they try to use that to recruit individuals towards a more extreme ideology. So because we see a lot more of this globally, frankly, uh, adherence to this type of a movement, it is of increasing concern in terms of the ability for people to access that type of violent propaganda. I don't know if my colleague... I, I completely agree. I would also add that we have seen during the pandemic, uh, especially while people were staying home, uh, they spent a whole lot of time on social media, on the internet, and there's uh, surveys that have been done that show a large increase in the number of research, uh, people researching internet sites that have IMV content. So we have seen that trend. We have seen also the number, as is written in this, in this summary, the number of threats uh, targeting public officials, politicians have been increasing also quite. Ben Bankus joke. That's literally a Ben Bankus joke. You lock everybody up inside, you legalize weed, and then you wonder why they become conspiracy theorists. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? They seem puzzled why everybody's mad at the government the last two years. You know, I was just waiting for them to like look over and be like, yeah, they probably listen to Rebel News too. Yeah, I was just going to be like, that's right. I'm going to alternative news sites. <laughs> yeah, it's really shocking, isn't it? I mean, again, just it's so common sense and it's so blatant and it's so obvious that what they're saying makes no sense. Um, anyone would be able to discern the truth in that room, um, even if you were blind, deaf, and um, dumb for they're yeah, 100%. So good. They're, like these security professionals are so good up until they have to be critical of the government. And then all of a sudden, they're completely politically compromised. Yeah, because when they when they do their job honestly, they do their job well. Yeah, like they he accurately used the word violence properly. Like yeah. he uh, violence was actually physical instead of a feeling. 
that Steve Bell had one day on the streets. Um, and they seem really good up until they have to pin the blame on the government. And then they say, no, no, 100%. Yeah, and, and we can't lose sight on the seriousness of all this. And, yeah. and I know you're alive to it. And it's that um, um, this power has only been used when there's been a world war, World yeah. War One, World War Two, FLQ crisis, with bombings, kidnappings. Not even, not even for 9-11. Not even for 9-11, not even for many other things. And the definition, I just looked at it again, right in the act, a public order emergency means an emergency that arises of threats to the security of Canada. And threats to the security of Canada has the meaning assigned by Section 2. Yeah. So we've had evidence after evidence, even again from CSIS again, that the definition wasn't met. But they come right out and say it's still okay because the prime minister and some of the people around him thought it was a good idea to strip Canadians of their rights, presumably because the prime minister was mad because he was being embarrassed. If we have now transitioned into a country where a prime minister can freeze your bank account and strip you of your fundamental rights, override provincial jurisdiction because he's upset, we're in a very dangerous place in this country. So um, the inquiry's not over. Uh, there's still more to do. There's also judicial reviews are going on, but Canadians need to take this very seriously. I think more people are becoming engaged, I think. I think so too. I think so yeah. too. I've seen online, and take that for what you will, but more people who are sort of like, I, I didn't like the convoy, but I also don't like what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah, the thing, even even the government's own polling has shown that the the largest grouping of people is people who are upset and fundamentally um, uh, unnerved by the idea that the government can at a whim freeze their bank account and take seize right. their money. Um, and even those who were completely opposed to the convoy, fully supportive of mandates and vaccination requirements, fell into that category. So that's encouraging, but uh, it remains to be seen as to whether there's going to be any political accountability here. Uh, it's going to be a wild week as we have more politicians come forward. And I know you're going to now start talking about the political angle because we had our first cabinet minister today. Yeah, yeah. We have Mendicino tomorrow, right? Yes, mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to how wrong Brendan Miller gets his name. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Brendan Miller should check his bank account. I bet it's frozen. Yes, probably is <laughs> The frozen. terrorism he committed on Bill Blair today. Yeah. Oh, he got Millered hard. That was yeah. great to watch. Absolutely. Uh, oh, we will talk about that. But let's, Efron, if you're watching, and I'm sure you are because you're in the control room, hopefully. <laughs> can you run an ad so we can let Keith leave the set without tripping in a tangle of earphones? Thank you. Freedom in the year 2022, for me folks, it means the return of Rebel Live. Now, Rebel Live is an annual event we used to put on before the man, or was it the COVID Karen, made us shut it down during the pandemic years. It is a freedom fun fest, if you will. All the freedom fighters you've grown to know and love over the years, they're gonna be speaking at the Toronto and Calgary events. The Toronto event is on November 19th, that's a Saturday, and it will feature the likes of Dr. Julie Panessi, Archer Pawlowski, Tamara Leach, and all your favorite rebels, including yours truly, I'll be the MC that day, 
Sheila Gunn-Reed, and of course, the big boss man himself, Ezra Levant. Now Saturday, November the 26th, we're bringing Rebel Live to Calgary, and uh, those aforementioned speakers will be there, and Sheila will be the MC for that event. You don't want to miss it. It's an all-day Freedom Fest. I know there are certain would-be conservative leaders that think freedom is overrated. You know we don't think that way. I don't think you think that way. So if you want to get a ticket, please go to the website. They are going fast. Go to rebelnewslive.com. That's rebelnewslive.com. Get your orders in. And as Billy Redlines used to say, folks, don't you dare miss it. Don't you dare miss this one. That's my favorite Rebel News live ad. 100%. Because of the wrestling. Uh, I hope uh, we'll see everybody there on Saturday. I know Celine will be there. Yes. I'll be there. K2 behind the camera will be there too. Uh, joining us now is our friend and colleague, young William Diaz, who's just been ripping it up uh, since the commission began, but before then, uh, annoying MPs. politicians on the streets of the Ottawa, liberals. making it a very unsafe place for them to be, mm -hmm. um, emotionally speaking. Um, <laughs> yeah, not no no violence. Right? You know, it's well, feelings depends, and depends my depends on how you identify violence. Exactly. Yeah. I hear it's hurt depends feelings if you're these days. To Anything Chan, these days, different. it's hurt feelings these days. Um, oh, William, if I had to, if you had to tell me, what was the one shocking thing that you heard today out of Bill Blair's testimony? So, Bill Blair, for those of you who don't know, he's the Minister of Emergency Preparedness. He is formerly the chief gun grabber in Canada, and he was the top cop in Toronto who oversaw the disaster of the G20. It was the G20 riots, actually. And uh, I, I remember how ridiculous it was. They set up a free speech zone. If you need a zone for it, it's not free, by the way. <laughs> That's <laughs> ridiculous. And he kettled protesters. He trapped innocent people and bystanders mm -hmm. in the rain people were arbitrarily arrested sounds familiar anyway he brought that same attitude to his new position in justin trudeau's government after he was elected in 2015 and he's friends and with peter slowly he's friends yeah. with peter slowly yeah. the former mayor the former chief of the ottawa police and brenda lucky apparently he and said brenda exclusively that they were friends they're they friends his so. friend brenda but uh peter slowly was his deputy and uh, so he's very empathetic to the treatment that Peter Slowly was receiving from yeah. his own deputies, yeah. which I was empathetic of until I had to listen to Peter Slowly. And then I was like, no, I'm not so sure, <laughs> I'm not so sure anymore, but I'll shut up. Um, tell me what's the one big thing that you heard today out of Bill Burr's testimony? You know, I think it's hard to pinpoint one thing. I think the contradictions overall. So we've heard a lot of people since the beginning of the inquiry say that the Emergencies Act was not talked about until one day before it was invoked, until the 13th of February, basically. Then we learned, we heard some people say that it wasn't talked about until a week before it was invoked. Some people until, until three days it was invoked with the uh, IRG meeting. And now he said during an interview that, that on the first day of the protest, that was a, pos a possible uh, thing that could be used by the, by the federal government. He said in an interview that it was, it was thought about on the first day of the protest. Right. And then we learned, I don't remember the exact date, but I think it's February 9th. February 4th. On the 4th. The 4th. The 4th it, was it was Bill Blair's about. strategy or Bill yeah. Blair's strategy. It was like on a readout of a, yeah. like a ministerial meeting. Mm -hmm. And it was the 4th. 
and it was Bill Blair's strategy, I think it was, and it was emergencies mm-hmm. act. But I, I would I would say so. Yeah, I would say overall in general in general the contradictions that we heard from that incompetent man who's a liberal minister, but also he seemed mo- moving, Yeah, moving aside from the evidence, his body language and his attitude, the man was extremely stressed today during the during the inquiry. You saw his face turn red, especially when you're in person, you see it even better. Oh, yeah. His face was red. He kept drinking water. He would speak super fast. Um, he, he was extremely sorry. You could see that his facial muscles were extremely tense on the stand. So it was very interesting to see him being that stressed because he's not usually that stressed. He's a long time minister well he's a minister yeah. and he was a chief of police but before i think yeah, he was Toronto. a chief of police yeah. so he shouldn't be that stressed yet he was today and what tells me is that he probably had something to hide when you're that stressed you probably have something to hide but he couldn't get yeah. his story straight about when they were talking about invoking the emergencies act he he forgot that he told global news mm-hmm. in writing yeah that it was a consideration from the very beginning but then there's uh, notes and I think it was Justin Trudeau's chief of staff who was the one taking the notes where it was February 4th he wanted to drop the hammer then that's right yeah um the one thing that for me as an Albertan sort of piqued my interest was and, and particularly because it's Bill Blair but he was in this prickly dispute we saw it in text messages with our minister of municipal affairs Rick McIver that's right Rick McIver did not want the Emergencies Act. He said, we need some heavy equipment to come. That's all we need. Mm-hmm. We can deal with this. We have existing laws. We just can't get tow trucks to come. We can't get the energy companies to come with the rig moving equipment. They looked at Saskatchewan. They looked in BC. They looked in Montana. They asked everybody. Nobody was coming. Well, it's because we they supported them. <laughs> so they said, okay, great. Let, let's ask the Canadian Armed Forces. The base mm-hmm. is just north of Edmonton. We know they have... We know they have heavy equipment there, 100%. Uh, From what I understand, somebody went there and laid eyes upon it. So they know it was there. He requested the heavy equipment to have access to it, because if it's federally owned, you just can't go commandeer it, and said, will you let us use it? And he said, oh, I got to check. I got to go up the chain and check. He never got back to Rick McIver. So the province by the 11th and 12th started buying their own stuff and got some good deals, by the way. They went on Auto Trader, they got on Kijiji, the Komatsu loader they bought was a hell of a deal, by the way. Um, And they got $820,000 worth of this heavy haul equipment. As it turns out, they only needed it to move three pieces of equipment Mm -hmm. because before the Emergencies Act was invoked, it had all dispersed. They just decided. Yeah, the blockade had, yeah, they had taken themselves gone. Yeah, yeah. And then we saw Bill Blair sending a message to Rick McIver after it's all said and done saying, basically, like, aren't you going to pat me on the back for invoking the Emergencies Act? Bill Blair called him a liar. <laughs> like, <laughs> t- told him it would be better to um, keep your mouth shut, basically, and say nothing than to be lying mm-hmm. because you did nothing. Well, I, th- I think that's that's very interesting. The fact that Alberta was asking for resources and things and Bill Blair saying, no, we don't have enough. You know, we don't have, you're asking for too much. I think that's the second time, at least that asking we know of, that we, hear, yeah, that, we, that we hear a liberal MP or even prime minister say that someone like veterans is asking for too much second time we hear that and that alberta was asking for too much and despite being 
despite asking for too much and not receiving what they were asking for, they were still able to handle the Kuts border blockade before the EA was involved. That's the important point is Albertans were problem solvers. We don't rely on the feds for much. And this, Shocker. This is a lesson, lesson <laughs> learned, Jason Kenney's previous mm. government, but it should be a lesson for Daniel Smith. Just don't ask the feds. Sort it mm. out yourself. Because as it turns out, the decision to deny help to Alberta came yeah. from the prime minister's office. We saw that. Did yeah. the PMO sign off on this? Yeah. Is what the email read. Yeah. It none of the approvals should have been going through the Prime Minister's office if we're asking the Minister of Emergency Preparedness for mm -hmm. it. But also, Bill Blair was willing to use it against Alberta. They said, should we publish Alberta's ask? That's for right. help. They said, should we publish That's it right. as a justification so to invoke yeah. the Emergencies Act? Those greasy snakes. It was really gross to watch that. And I felt my heart sink. I was like, no, you can't do that. I do not feed it those snakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean that. Yeah, it doesn't mean you need to invoke it. But the reason why you guys were able to handle it, because you are the great province of Alberta. So I always say Alberta, the great province of Alberta. That's why you were able to handle, handle coots, unlike the federal government, who is the yeah disgusting little government well they had a really they had really good uh communication and a really good standing relationship with the rcp officers that were willing yeah. to work with them there and they were and we yeah. almost had one of the rajan sani the the previous transport minister i believe transport minister right yeah yeah she almost went down there to go and actually meet that was i think the most if there was a potential for anyone to have a meeting with the protesters it would have been the province of alberta and it would they have been that Grant minister Hunter went down there who? Grant Hunter. We had MLAs going down there to actually engage with the protesters. And look what happened. It resolved peacefully. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, the mm. cops were like shaking hands with the protesters at the end. And as always, yeah. the cops everywhere these protests were happening outnumbered completely. Mm -hmm. If the truckers wanted to take over the whole city of Ottawa, don't take this the wrong way, but there are a lot of useful, useless people in this town. They could have I don't right disagree over, with you. They could have walked right over them. Yeah. They never did, not even once. No, not even um, not even the people that threw mm -hmm. eggs at them. No, they from didn't their meet balconies. violence with violence not even once. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, let's go to Bill Blair, clip six. This is also kind of a fun thing I found out today. <laughs> Bill Blair scolded Justin Trudeau, sort of, it was kind of a half-assed scolding, but he did say, and the reason I know that it was about Justin Trudeau was the dates. So we saw in this, like, I think it's a readout of another phone call with the ministers. And one of the things Bill Blair advised was to, I forget, like tone down the language, something to that effect, like keep the language, like not- You mean that question I asked him today? No, like, yeah, the question, you asked a question to that effect, but he said basically, like, tone down the rhetoric about the convoy. It's not helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, he said avoid using inflammatory language, and that happened on the twenty eighth of mm -hmm. January. That's you know what, very funny. You know what happened on the twenty seventh? Justin Trudeau called everybody fringe yeah. radical. Oh, fringe, fringe, yeah, radical. They, they fringe minority, misogynist, for violence. Uh, yeah. they're, they're they're bad people. Yeah. Fringe minority with unacceptable views is. Happened on the 27th, 28th, and Bill Blair is like, not, not, not helpful. What so is going on? Why don't we roll clip six? Uh, we need to keep the language down. And uh, probably the people in the room knew what you were talking about, and you probably used more words than just that. So if you could flesh that out for us, what, what, you were, what message you were trying to get across 
uh, during that briefing when you said we need to keep the language down? I believe we all have a responsibility to do what is necessary to keep the peace. And, and I was concerned that inflammatory language could incite a more um, violent response, potentially, um, or, or in, 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 in incite others to continue to, to come to the protest. And, and so I think one, one needs to maintain, and I've had some experience in this, um, in, in your language around an event to, to, to speak of it in such a way as to not aggravate it. I have, a, I have three points. I have three points. Okay. So first of all, if they had listened to CSIS, that's what they said the whole time. Right. They said, don't do those things. Yes. It really, I mean, it was also, I'm not sure if we have that clip or if we'll talk about it, but it was also Rob Stewart, uh, the deputy minister that actually created that plan to go and meet with the protesters in Ottawa. That was tabled. There you go. That was tabled. And we saw that in emails today. Why wasn't this, you know, they, and how many other testimonies they considered it um, either incomplete or they just pretended like they didn't know about it. So that's one aspect of it. And then you have somebody that is constantly going against their own narrative as they're testifying, because it was like, yeah, you know, this is, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. And then it's like, well, you know, as long as I feel like it was validated, then, then why not? He spent the first hour of his testimony with the commission lawyers prattling on about how important it is to engage with protesters. He literally did. He said, in my time with the Toronto Police Service, right. I've dealt with the Tamils, I've dealt with the G20. <laughs> I don't know why he brought up the G20 as a success, by the way, but he kept doing that. It dealt with all kinds of other protests. And he said, it's always important to engage with the protesters. But then when he was presented with the rules of engagement with the protesters that were drafted by his own ADM. He said he didn't want to see any government official speak to them. Yeah. Yeah. But we also saw, again, when you're watching these guys testify, don't read the stuff they want you to see. Read yeah, the other there's something stuff. under yes. that. Yeah. yeah. I'll read the other stuff because... Mm-hmm. You could see where it was Justin Trudeau's chief of staff and she was taking her notes about people they were going to meet with. Mm -hmm. And the people that they were going to meet with was the vaxxed truckers. So they're discriminating Mm -hmm. against truckers based on vaccine status, but that's nothing new. And they were going to meet with the shepherd of good shepherds of good hope Mm -hmm. because they were saying, oh, you know, the convoyers came and stole our food, which is totally. Oh, but that's, that's in a different document, (laughs) but even in that document, and if it's possible, if we can just, it's on my Twitter account, you can see, if we could go back to the same clip that we just were, um, and freeze on the first second of the clip where we're still able to see the document, if that's possible to do that, that would be great. But if you read a little bit lower, on the exact same document, it is written that they are concerned, the Liberal Party is concerned about the office of the, the OLO. The, yeah, so the OLO, Efron, so the you'll see leader. on that very first little part of the clip, if you go down, it's hard yeah. to see, is OLO going to meet with the protesters? Yeah. So they were very concerned that the the OLO, so that's the office of the leader of the opposition, which would have been Candace Bergen at the time, or maybe this was early enough that they hadn't thrown air no tool to the curb but it doesn't matter because they were very concerned that the conservatives were yeah. doing the reasonable thing mm-hmm. yeah and talking to their constituents yeah. yeah and uh you know speaking of micro expressions and breaking down his body language you can also catch uh you know like the scratching of the neck you know mm-hmm. that's oh, the nervousness of his thumbs. oh he yeah he doesn't constantly. have any skin left on his thumbs yeah every time he got a tough question that was just like it was 
like that from Bill Blair. I was Excessive very, water drinking. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, shame. Yeah. No, but that, that, very that was, shy. That was it was interesting. Really. That was interesting to see that the Liberal Party was scared or concerned about having the opposition leader, the office of the opposition leader, meet with the protester. Why, if you're doing everything honestly, why would you be scared because about it's for having optics. your opposition meeting with, uh, meeting why with them? Would it's you, optics. Why would you be concerned about them meeting with sexist, racist, homophobic, French <laughs> radicals if you actually don't think they are That's right. Things. That's another way to look at it as well, for sure. Yeah. No, definitely some interesting They're stuff. They're scared that they would do the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine what would happen if we had somebody from the opposition party actually come and meet with protesters. Okay. It's so funny to imagine all the hypotheticals, yeah. really, but this is where we're at, and it's absolutely such a circus mm-hmm. every well, single day. Because it would have shown that the opposition is actually willing to engage with the other side, mm-hmm. which we know the liberals aren't able to do. They, they refuse to engage with the other side. That's a new yeah. liberal way of thinking. Well, they won't I, talk to us. I think that... Um, you know they were they were concerned about the OLO meeting yeah. with them because they knew that it would completely upstage them. For and sure. I think that's when they really ramped up the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Is when the conservatives started meeting with them and they said they only have one thing left to do and it's to say, oh my god, can you believe they were meeting with us? Not yeah, can you believe that they're actually <laughs> meeting with with terrorists? That they're actually yeah. meeting with uh, with bad people? Yeah, can you believe? Can you believe Candace Bergen met with those Nazis? Unbelievable. 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 <laughs> uh, you know what? Maybe, Efron, let's uh, shuffle out Will. Yeah. Let him put in his Uber Eats order because he's had a very long day and it's uh, 9.30 here and order the is still not eaten. I'll, 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 I'll leave you guys with the ladies. So today is the ladies show. It's Celine and Sheila. They're, you're here in Ottawa for two days, right? Right. But I won't be on the stream tomorrow exactly. because I have to catch But according stream. to Annalisa, though, according to one of her paid comments, I am a lady, too, because she said that the ladies are doing a good job last time. This so. is the SS show. I guess it's is always it? I guess it's always the lady. I'm, I'm joking. I don't Annalisa. make the rules. You can be whatever right. you want. <laughs> yeah, nowadays, nowadays, you literally can't be. Don't even question my identity, Sheila. I know. Bigot. I know. I know. You'd get my bank right. account frozen. Okay, let's run an ad so we can let William leave, and then we'll bring on our friend Tom Razzo. Freedom in 2022 is certainly about being able to make free choices for ourselves and for our family, who we believe are the best. We have seen so much suffering over the last two years. People who die alone in terrible conditions, people losing dream jobs, polarized families, and a society that insult and yell at each other for making a different medical choice. But people have risen, and it will be through them that the future will have an important meaning for all of you, but especially for the next generation. Ribbon News has been present at every step of this great challenge, but so many other pioneers whom you could meet and hear at our great conference about freedom for our beautiful country, which is Canada. This conference, which will be held in Calgary and Toronto, will show you the faces of the influence of freedom that you have seen over the past two years. You don't want to miss this. So get your ticket now at ribbonnewslive.com. And it will be a pleasure to see you there and meet you in large numbers. It's time to drop these masks and let the truth shine.
Oh, hey, welcome back, everybody. Joining us now is Tom Marazzo. Uh, he was a convoy participant. I'll let Tom actually describe himself because I, I'll get it wrong. So go ahead. Um, I'm a co-host on Rebel News. You are now. Yes, I <laughs> uh, This is what, like, it'll be the 20th time in a row. Yeah, not, sure. not quite in a row. No, I, I uh, yeah, I played a small part in the convoy last uh, January, February. And uh, right now I'm just like everybody else watching the, uh, the commission. And uh, it's really, it's been quite an experience to sit there every day and listen to this testimony to see what the government was thinking and doing at all various levels. Um, it's, it's quite shocking. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. gaslighting. Like, oh, do they realize yeah. thousands of people were also there too? Mm -hmm. And and this is this is one thing I I was thinking. Of. I think about this every day. Every time the new, the the higher we go up the chain of command within the the liberal uh, government, it's the one thing that really strikes me with every new witness is, and I'm going to call it the elephant in the room. The people that these these witnesses are talking about are Canadians. Yeah. They're not talking about Al-Qaeda. They're not talking right. about some, some actual foreign entity. This is Canadians that they're talking about. People that elected them to occupy those positions of power that they have. Now, here's the thing. If you look at just the simple math, like so twice, twice Canadians raised $10 million on two different crowdfunding platforms. If you just said like on average that, um, you know, everybody who donated donated a hundred dollars, that's a hundred thousand Canadians each time that donated yeah. financially to the convoy. But what we do know is that there was a hundred over 175,000 people that donated in this country. And the ones that were out of country, their IP addresses, they were Canadian, but their IP addresses were outside of the country at the time, but they had ties to Canada. So when you think about the fact that these these witnesses get up there and they talk about the people that they loathe and day after day after day. And I think if you go back to the very first time I, I was on the show, I talked about the idea that there was no, um, no will on any part of the government, even on the first day to come and talk to protesters. Yeah. This is a protest. We had a legal under section two of the charter. We have a legal right to do it. We did. And yet again, You've got Bill Blair, Bill Blair of all people from the GAG 20 summit in 2010. He's getting in there and he's talking about people that he loathes because they dared. They dared to exercise their charter to right to come to the city. And here's the question. This is the big question. Why? We haven't talked about that in the, in the, the commission. Why did all these Canadians suddenly spring up across the country and protest everywhere? Why was the big concentration in the nation's capital? Why was there 27 other convoys around the planet yeah. that were inspired by what happened in Ottawa? Why do these people not acknowledge the fact that Canadians had a legitimate grievance and they were being ignored for two years, came to Ottawa to finally be heard? Sorry, Tom, can you just give me a quick... Uh, recap because I was in the middle of Googling something because I thought, you know what, I can put that into context for people. How many people donated to the convoy? We know that there was over 175,000 that donated okay. to the convoy uh, through the, the crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But on two occasions, it was over $10 million, right? So total of $20 million in two weeks. 
that's just through crowdfunding. It's incredible. And, you know, I've, I've seen Tamara talk about this in the presence of lawyers, that the money that was raised on the crowdfunding platforms was a symbol. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a symbol of the desperation that Canadians felt and they wanted to be heard. They felt isolated and they wanted that money represents their opportunity to be a voice. Yeah. And they sent Canadians to Ottawa to deliver a message. And nobody in Ottawa wanted to hear that message. Nobody. I'll put this into context for you. You guys out fundraised every party in this country over <laughs> twice. Uh, in the first two quarters, so we'd have to double this, right? The Conservatives raised uh, $4.4 from 36,000 donors. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Liberals raised 2.8 million from 28,000 donors. Democrats 1.2 million from nearly 16,000 people. So, uh, just for context, to the year prior, uh, 26.4 million to the Conservatives in 2021, 18.1 million to the Liberals in 2021. You guys have fundraised the Liberals mm -hmm. in the course of a month. That is one yeah. of the reasons why they knew they had to stop this because you guys were the single largest political and human rights movement mm -hmm. in this country yeah. ever. Yes. And in fact, you know, uh, I believe it was Brendan in his cross uh, on Friday was, was making the comparison to say that it was either Brendan or one of the JCCF lawyers saying that, isn't this a political cause, you know, yeah. surely a political cause meeting wanting to meet with the political class in this country not to overthrow it let's be clear about that right now no, and talk... you know what CISA said that day yeah. they said we didn't even bother to look at yes. the fourth part of the CISA yes. act section two that's right mm -hmm. they said we didn't even bother to go there because it was so ridiculous yeah. why and and uh, you just reminded me of something that was in my mind like when I heard it I I looked up and I'm like did I just hear that did I can can somebody confirm that I just heard Justice Rulo himself yeah. confirmed when um, Hatton was doing his cross-examination. He's like, right. you yeah. didn't have to ask about the four parts of Section 2 of the CSIS Act. I think that's been well-established yeah. that they didn't meet that standard. Like, yeah. Rulo himself, <laughs> sorry, I've got a little bit of a chest yeah. thing going, but Rulo himself confirmed it, yeah. that they didn't have it. They didn't have that standard. But you know what they did had or did have? is hypothetical reasons right hypothetical and if you look at you know the the nouns and the verbs that are being floated around this 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 uh inquiry you know things like this can happen or this could happen might happen this might happen this yeah. may happen you know this goes in line with microaggressions in yes. the perception of violence the threat a of a threat honking. offensive <laughs> yeah offensive <laughs> phantom, honking. Oh, phantom honking right yeah this is what this is this is where we are. Yeah. Um, people that a didn't want to acknowledge uh, Canadians, and and we've talked about this before. What is the sample of Canadians that arrived in Ottawa? It wasn't truckers. Mm -hmm. It was Canadians first, and it was white collar, blue collar, and everything in between arrived in Ottawa and went to the other uh, the other protests. Yeah. A friend of mine who was a retired military officer as well was in Windsor on the bridge and was arrested, right? There's all walks of life, all samples of society that came to Ottawa. And on weekends, this city swelled yeah. multiple thousand times over on the weekends because everybody was participating. Yeah. 
Well, and that's the same way anti-mandate protests mm-hmm. have been for the last two and a half years. Yeah. You go to the one in, in Edmonton. I run into people who are like, Sheila, I hated you because you're mean to Rachel Motley. But now <laughs> I think we're okay. We're okay again. Like, Be- mm-hmm. Because there are anti-pee voters abandoned by their union. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you go to that one in Calgary. And I'm like, this is the strangest cross-section of people I've ever seen in my life. Truly. You've got like the Crystal Secure Cancer Granola people over here. Yeah. And then you've got the blue-collar conservatives. And then you've got the like white-collar, upperly mobile conservatives yeah. who don't want, want to pay too many taxes because they're just single dudes living alone. Yeah. And, you know, you've got the religious right. It's small business owners who have never been political until all mm-hmm. of a sudden now. Gym owners, like, it's just, it's crazy the different people that are there mm-hmm. and only someone who's never bothered to talk to them mm-hmm. or even passively observe them like their wildlife. Only those people <laughs> would think of them as just this mm-hmm. rough, gross bunch of fringe radicals. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about, uh, I heard previous, uh, the other guests on the show, uh, my opening act, William, and everybody was talking about the fact that uh, Bill Blair's physical reactions to his testimony today yeah so in 2010 i was at the g8 g20 summit i was there and i wasn't in charge of anything i was the low level duty officer at night when nothing was going on okay but i remember talking to police officers in in the place that i was working about bill blair because he was kicking the arse of the media i i remember talking to a police officer going who's this guy he's incredible he is absolutely kicking the butt of the media and not taking any of their crap. He's professional. He's fair. I was really impressed with yeah. Bill Blair until I saw the fallout of, of the you know, the action. Done. The action. <laughs> and there is a backstory on that one. Yeah, that, for sure. But, yeah, I know it. But the thing is, when we saw him today, immediately he sat down and I could see right away he was going into vasoconstriction. And this is where, because he had a, his fear, his heart rate was up. He had a oh, fear induced yeah. heart rate and it caused the, the blood vessels in his, in his body and in his skin to turn red and he was sweating and he was very fidgety. I just and thought people, it was whiskey. People that are confident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But people that are confident in what they're saying and are fully prepared with the truth don't have to show up and, and display that kind of physical reaction to honest questions. Right. And so that in itself is, is very out of character from what I've ever seen with him back 12 years ago and, and what I was expecting to see this time. Right. He was clearly not wanting to go down certain roads yeah. uh, in his testimony. But what he was really, really good at that I noted was, you know, his, uh, he, he used, it, it's almost like they got a, uh, a marketing company of some kind. Oh, to, to, they, Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to look oh at God. look at keywords, right? Sample words where certain words pull very well. Yeah. And you'll notice the um, they use uh, terms like disorder, unlawful, um, threats, violence. Right. Um, then he went on to talk about the uh, the fuel cans. The people were bringing fuel cans into the city, and they could potentially explode. I looked at William when he said that, and I said, yeah. you know what? The one of the big outcomes of all of this is people are suddenly scared of the gas station now. Yeah. I'm like, why are you, why do you think fuel gas is this unusual substance? You don't know mm-hmm. how to be around yeah. after, you know, 130 years of motorized yeah. vehicles. And, <laughs> unless it's a Pinto, right? Right. But, but the, one thing that they do we're know. we're worried about like electric cars exploding, mm-hmm. to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> one thing we do know is, uh, and it hasn't come out in the testimony, but before the night that they raided Coventry, 
that day we actually had a fire inspection on the, where they were storing the fuel that day. It passed the inspection. After the raid, the fire department did come back and, and reconfirm that everything was okay with the fuel. The other thing is that uh, around that same time, the electrical safety authority came and inspected the electrical panel that they set up at Coventry and passed it. I saw the, re in fact, I have copies of the receipts. That's useful people. Yeah. People with yes. life skills. Yes. Yes. Building this is, things. Yes. Yeah. Making it yeah. safe, right? Yeah. We were very aware and in touch with the fire department with regard to storage yeah. of fuel. And so does that get talked about this, this, you know, only the most fearful damning testimony comes out of Bill Blair's mouth. I can't believe that people are still scared of like propane tanks. I'm like, are you scared of your yeah. barbecue? Like you yeah. have probably one sitting on your deck at home, yes. a propane tank. Yes. But all of a sudden the people in downtown Ottawa were like, we're all going to die because there's propane tanks, Yes. which are in a thing outside of the mm -hmm. Walmart and the Home Depot, by yeah. the way, or there's doing people, nothing. Yeah. There's people walking down, down the, the street. <laughs> yeah i'm sorry can of fuel it's crazy yeah and uh i can tell you from my own experience with you know using explosives that your chances of actually doing anything harmful with with gasoline typically you want to make a big fireball you use diesel yeah no, i know right so <laughs> i shouldn't I be talking know. about that stuff but no i'm it's just not saying talking like, about it, but, I can, but, but it's ridiculous i, talk about I mean it. <laughs> it is it is stunningly ridiculous to hear this narrative, I feel like I've gone back in time, back to the previous February, yeah. and I'm listening to mainstream media talking points, or should I say back to the 27th of January, mm -hmm. and I'm just hearing the regurgitated comments coming from Justin Trudeau's staff before, before, he, before we arrived in Ottawa, before anybody showed up with a flag of any sorts right. that was uh, you know disrespectful, um, yeah. which is a questionable... Uh, issue yeah. that was, you know, Brendan Miller today was trying extremely hard to get an explanation out of the government about what they knew about those flags. And they got stonewalled really well, really hard by the Department of Justice. Yeah. Now, is it the Department of Justice, justice being for Canadians, or is it the Department of Justin? Right. Let's protect Justin at all costs. You know what? We will lie to Canadians. That's so good. <laughs> we will lie to Canadians. Yeah. Uh, instead of tell Canadians the truth at a public inquiry. You know what? Let's go to that clip five. And we're going to be very, very careful because it sounds like there are legal threats flying around yes. now all of a sudden. So we're going to be very careful. Just the facts, ma'am and sir. Yeah. Yes. As we talk about this, this is trucker lawyer, Brendan Miller. He's cross-examining the CSIS director and asked him if he knew that a Liberal Party operative, Brian Fox from Enterprise Canada, which is a bit of a crisis communications firm, if I understand correctly, was the one who brought a Nazi flag to the trucker protest in Ottawa. And I make no contention about whether this is true or not. Yeah. I'm just report reporting what I witnessed with my eyes today mm -hmm. at the commission. And uh, then I'll give my comments about why I have questions about this flag in the first place. Well, everybody who was watching it also witnessed it. So it's not yeah. just isolated to yeah. anybody in particular. Okay, let her fly. Were you aware that the first time that the picture of the gentleman all covered in army fatigues with a mask over his face, walking with a Confederate flag through a crowd, it first appeared in an opinion piece in the Toronto Star from someone who actually works for the Liberal Party of Canada. Uh, Were you aware of that? Uh, Mr. Commissioner, my friend seems to be giving evidence now. I'm asking if he's well, aware he of it. He asked a question and I'm, 
I'm get I can guess at what the answer is right, going right. to be. Right. Okay, right. but there's a presupposition of a fact that's not it. Yeah, because you because you keep interrupting me while I'm trying to ask questions and no, I'm running it, out of time. It, 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 just please. Okay. So I'm not aware of the articles and I'm not aware of those facts that you mentioned. Right. I'm sorry. Okay. Are you are you aware of a company called Enterprise Canada? Not specifically, uh, no. And have you identified uh, the individual, one that is, there was, it was all over the news, the gentleman that was carrying the Nazi flag? Have you identified him yet? Uh, Mr. Uh, Commissioner, as I've said before, we, uh, the specific details of our investigations have been shared you know, with the uh, Commission earlier. I uh, would not be able to go into okay. more specific details. Okay. So, so I think that's right. it. Um, yeah. No, and I, take it, and I take it then, sir, um, that you know that that individual was Brian Fox from Enterprise Group. I have not said anything of that respect to that council. I have not, I have not testified to that council. <clears throat> now, whether or not that is indeed Brian Fox, I cannot, I, mm. I don't know. But what I do know is those people would not shut up about IMVEs all morning. Yeah. And so when you have two walking around on the first day of the convoy, why haven't you identified them? They were literally walking around. Don't tell me these people didn't run facial recognition mm -hmm. on them. I'm curious that it didn't come out the way that they thought it would. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, one license plate, the mm -hmm. Confederate flag. They were able to take a screenshot of the license plate, yeah. which I know if I get pulled over for speeding, which I don't, honey, if you're watching, there are no <laughs> photo radar tickets coming at all. But if, you know, if I get pulled over for speeding, they run my plate. Mm -hmm. That's like the first thing they do to identify you, right, is to yeah. run your plate. But they want me to believe that the entire security apparatus brass that were sitting at the table, nobody ran a plate on yeah. the other truck that had the Confederate flag. I don't, I just, I don't believe it. I refuse to believe that those three yeah. are that inept. I refuse to believe it. No, when it's, when it's yeah. your entire job to consume information and you can't consume information that is really basic in general, it's not just if you speed that they'll run your plate. Mm -hmm. Actually, they just do it all the time all now the time. for no, for no reason. They I'm just do checkups. They're running my yeah. name every day. hundred <laughs> percent. So again, when it's literally your job to consume information, then provide an accurate a source of Intel for others to be able to read, be debriefed on when it comes to the security of Canada, to mm -hmm. the security of this country, and you can't even run a plate. Yeah. Uh, well, they did run the plate. I'm sure that they did. And let well, me tell you, if you're a grandma making anti-Trudeau posts on the internet, they run your plates. God help <laughs> they know who you are. if the media finds out about you because mm -hmm. they'll know everything about you before sun's down. But these people didn't run a plate on that Confederate guy. And I I don't believe it. I don't, I don't believe it for a minute either because if you if you consider the testimony that the CSIS people were giving early on, what they were describing is CSIS was acting as a a filter yeah. of information, and what they were hoping for was to see. IMVE or lone wolves or, or that kind of activity come through the filter, and then they could launch an investigation. So I would argue that this Confederate flag or Nazi flag actually did fall within the parameters of what a CSIS investigation would have been in, been in terms of the way they were describing the evolution or the accelerationist ideology right. of an IMVE who is not yet considered violence yeah but what i can tell you what i do know understand about doing threat assessments on on active shooters 
you know, violent, nobody just snaps. Violence right. is an evolutionary process. Yeah. And this is something I learned from a guy named Kevin Cameron out in Alberta, uh, who does threat assessments on active shooters. And so that's really what, what CSIS would be doing, would be talking about uh, assessing people to see if their, their level of rhetoric was escalating or evolving. So this truck, I guarantee that this truck and these images of anybody with a swastika or even a Confederate flag, because the Confederate flag in Canada is like completely right. out of place it's in the nuclear. city of Ottawa. It's yeah. nuclear. It's very inflammatory. So CSIS would have looked at that individual, those individuals and said, okay, that is a target of interest. We are going to make a threat assessment based on the fact that whether yeah. or not that person's violence is going to evolve right. into something that we have to get individual law enforcement to, to look after. Uh -huh but they didn't even know who the person was well, or what the plate was. Yeah, right. we were we were there, you know? Like mm -hmm. I remember like getting there late at night when the rest mm -hmm. of the trucks were parking on Wellington still, the mm -hmm. streets were being filled. And I was also there the next day. And I can tell you that I saw when those photos started emerging from the internet, I was looking at it with Mocha mm -hmm. and the one that's pictured from like that high up, I'm not sure if we can pull it up, but there is one, It's the, it, it is the one of the swastika flag and it's up, higher and mm -hmm. there was um a lot of government officials staying in that building yeah. just saying just to put it out there we knew that that was confirmed then what was mm -hmm. that like eight nine months ago yeah um no the majority of the flags were all canadian and then you had different provinces mm -hmm. you had quebecois flags <laughs> you had freedom flags you had the lovely beautiful f trudeau flags my personal favorite ones mm -hmm. um you would have been able to pick anything that was unusual out of the crowd Yes. It, like so obviously and mm. i know for a fact too that when those people the real protesters when they saw that there were those flags there was videos emerging almost immediately afterwards mm. and they were like this guy's not with us yes. get this guy out of here mm -hmm. like it was very very apparent from the very beginning that i believe that that was done purposely that's just my I opinion of course i was i don't know who that the swastika flag guy was i don't know who the confederate flag no, guy was me either but i do know you they were both plants and i'll tell you why because if they were actually members of <laughs> yes. the convoy yeah. we would know everything about them by now so i was actually asked uh by robert kennedy jr about this particular footage yeah uh, specifically this is back in i believe march that i i was interviewed on his show and he talked about this guy specifically back in march yeah and he said you know like you know for a fact that this particular individual is a plant within the crowd because he, one he's not his face isn't uh he's wearing exposed. a mask i'm sorry not drinking specifically in front yeah. of the cameras yeah you you mm -hmm. can't say that that's not a plant and, and you know did this, this after it, all the hay was made in the media did we ever see any more of these flags? Did we see swastikas? No. 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 It got its photo opportunity, its talking point for Justin Trudeau to go on and further use those hypnotic words in the mainstream media yes. to convince Canadians that the government was on the right and that we were a bunch of evil villains. It's, it's real weird. And this is not good for my conspiracy mind. But you have on the 27th, the government staffers, people in Justice Trudeau's office and in emergency preparedness are talking, or it was a public safety, doesn't matter. Uh, they used to be one ministry, so it doesn't matter. But they're talking about, okay, so we need to start painting these guys as radicals. We need to start feeding stuff to the friendly media. Mm -hmm. Then on the 28th, we get this imagery. Mm -hmm. And then by the 30th, Justin Trudeau was saying, look at these, these yes. racists. Yes. Look at them. Sounds we like a knew they were line. coming. We, we knew, knew they, they were, were coming. coming. Isn't it 
funny how you knew yeah. exactly when they were coming. That's so weird. It's yeah. very strange. And it, and it was sad to see, really frustrating to see that um, the, the text messages there between the PMO and uh, one of the other staffers saying, you know, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically saying, we don't want to put too much pressure on the convoy as, as it's arriving because the convoy will push the crazies out. Right. You'll do some political hygiene. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted they knew. the most they, radical. Well, and they knew that that is a, a passive admission, although they mm -hmm. wouldn't admit to it, mm -hmm. that the convoy was largely good people because you would naturally push the bad ones out. Yes. Yes. And in fact, there there is a lot of discussion that I've heard around the campfire. Yeah. Uh, that we did have, <coughs> sorry, um, that people that were part participating in the convoy as it was driving to Ottawa, because I got here two days later, uh, were had those discussions For sure. early on as they were traveling Very across Celine Canada. Celine away. You know? I love this video so yeah. much. Sorry, I just, oh. <laughs> this was incredible. Like I was in tears, actually. So many people were in tears. It made it like it it made me cry because I had not seen so many people smiling and laughing and to dance. Do you remember when they said dancing's not allowed? Singing. At all? Ben like, singing at church. Oh, yeah. it was in it was incredible. I, I remember when Celine started, and I'm like, I don't know, do we really need an intern? And then, I was, and then we're like, you know what? We're gonna throw this intern on the convoy. I'm like, we're going to put her on the convoy. Okay. And then, uh, she hit Ottawa and she just hit the ground running. And then I became a Celine true believer. <laughs> you know, I saw one depiction, uh, my entire time in Ottawa of the, the swastika symbol. Mm. And as I got closer, it actually wasn't a swastika. It was four needles <laughs> to be shaped like that with a circle right. around it with a cross thread. Yeah. That's what the, the symbol was. It wasn't a swastika. Interesting. Right. And, you know, I, you know, we, I heard earlier, you were touching on the actions of the conservatives. And I remember towards the end being unbelievably frustrated with, with both parties, both, oh, both sure. political parties. And I, and I said, um, you know, we've got real honest to God issues out in the streets of Ottawa right now with the police that are busting heads. And we're talking in that, in the comments right now, mm -hmm. not about what's happening in the street, but about one conservative member of parliament's hurt feelings. That is what is occupying the other, the entire debate is one member's feelings were hurt by Justin Trudeau. Yeah. And that's, and he walked out of that debate. Yeah. Right. We didn't talk about Syria. We didn't hear them talking about real life issues. We, you know, they were all distracted by the fact, I think her, what's her last name? Uh, Lanceman. Melissa Lanceman, right? That was what was occupying the debate. Not what was happening on the street, but her hurt feelings. Well, it, and they're legitimately hurt feelings. Sure. I get it. But that wasn't the time or the place. Well, also, yes. Yeah, yeah. He should not have said that Melissa Lanceman was consorting with Nazis. He shouldn't have. But... Maybe you shouldn't have called all those people Nazis also. Mm. You know, like all those thousands <laughs> of people. Maybe you should have called them Nazis either. It's a while huge allegation. It. Yeah. it just, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know what? Let's go to one last clip before we let Tom go and everybody go have something to eat. Um, I, I think you people can probably hear my stomach growling through the microphone. It's <laughs> probably mine, mine too. Mine too. Um, let's go to a clip. That's, That's the food, food here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't hear my stomach growl before, you're going to hear it now as soon as I start smelling it. Uh, clip seven. Bill Blair, uh, he was shown drone footage of one, <laughs> one police operation 
uh, I think by his own lawyer, by the way. Like, it was his own lawyer. It was his own lawyer. It's like, it was like a, one of those, like, Bill, why don't you tell us how cool you are? Let me how good you are. Words <laughs> in your mouth. We rehearsed anyways, this. Anyways, they show him drone footage of one police operation. I leaned over to Celine before it aired, and I was like, is this the... Is this where they beat up the journalists or run over the old ladies? But no, they picked a sanitized version and Bill Blair was able to go like, yeah. job Blair. Yeah. You can <laughs> see the, the alleged- so let's, uh, let's go to clip seven. Great that ball. admiration for the yeah, men and you can women see who that do too. that very difficult job of policing. And what I witnessed, certainly in the city of Ottawa, but in other jurisdictions as well, but particularly in the city of Ottawa, an entirely professional, proportional, measured response, they, they moved slowly, methodically, respectfully. Um, you know, it was very clear that they were well-trained, very clear they were well-led. Um, I, I believe that their, their, their uh, exercise of the authorities that they had, both in existing law and in, in the new regulations, was done in a very uh, measured and careful way. And I, I've, I've, I've seen some video of how they've, they've done it. It was textbook. Like I, I've been trained as a public order commander, and I've seen it done well, and I've, I've never seen it done better than what I witnessed here in the city of Ottawa as they, I think, to the extent possible, as peacefully as possible, brought this to a resolution. They, they allowed people, for example, points of egress. It's always important to let people have a space to go. Um, they did that work. They, you know, they moved slowly. I actually found myself trying to explain to some of my friends that why they're going slowly, because that's the right way to do it, and, and in my opinion. They did it the right way. Okay. Thank you, uh, Minister Blair. You were watching the same. Yeah, that's that frustrating. I, I can tell you several reasons why I find that incredibly frustrating. Um, tell us, Tom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they clubbed our like, journalists like she was a baby seal. Yeah. 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 So you've you've got a, a credentialed media person in in the crowd who took a, a you know a relatively low velocity projectile in the thigh. Okay, which is Alexa took that um, yeah. that rubber bullet or the projectile was a gas cannon, I think she took yeah, in the and then it broke and it broke and tear gassed her. So we, we've got two, two members of the public that were run over by a horse or horses, Clydesdales. I mean, not ponies here. Yeah. He, by um, the way, Guillaume here, he was pepper yes, sprayed also yes, right in the yeah. face. Yes. And so, you know, to, to kind of go back up and, and I, I, I'd like to make this point about what he's doing here. Okay. He's not actually talking to the lawyers. He's not talking to the commission. And when we first started this convoy, the first night I, or this um, commission, the first night I was on the show, I said, this is a court of public opinion. Yes. And who he's talking to. So, so when I did my master's degree, I, I focused in a lot on negotiating and influence. In negotiations, you use the media to send messages to your opponents. Right. But in this particular case, he's not talking to the lawyers in the room. He's actually talking to the public. That's who his target audience is. All the supporters of the liberal base and all the people that hate the convoy. That is who he is rewriting history yeah. to instill confidence that the government of Canada, the, the liberals know what they're doing and they handled an unruly mob. That's what this messaging is about. So when he talks about it, he leaves out all the details. But the, the gory fact that, details. The gory details. He leaves out the facts that people were physically hurt and he thinks it's textbook, but I'd like him to look Chris Deering in the eye right. after hearing Chris Deering's story about getting blown up in Afghanistan and then beaten by the Ottawa police. And you tell me how textbook it is to beat a wounded veteran when the other veterans around him are screaming, saying, Hey, stop. That's a wounded yeah. veteran. Yeah. 
and they were punching him in the head. Is that textbook? Is that how we treat veterans? Is that how we treat the Canadian public? We beat them because you refuse to talk to them. Because, illegal snatch and grabs. Yes. And let's not forget the illegal snatch and grabs. Mm -hmm. We're just talking about the people we know, but I would suppose hundreds of people mm -hmm. were taken by the police, detained illegally, yes. uh, kidnapped, I mm -hmm. guess we'll yep. call that. Mm -hmm. What do we call that in Canada? Mm -hmm. Unlawful confinement. Yep. Uh, take them out of town or to the mm -hmm. outskirts of town. Yeah. It's bitterly cold. Yep. It, it is a it is wet cold, by the way. I'll concede yes. that. Yes. yes it's it not like out. It's different. I'm not yeah. saying it's colder than Alberta, <laughs> but it's a little different. Yeah. Take them outside of town. Keep them for hours mm -hmm. sometimes before they let them go. Their phones are dead. Sometimes they don't even have coats because of mm -hmm. how they were arrested. Sometimes they're pulled out of their trucks. Um, just abandoned alone, no cell phone, no shelter, no way back on the outskirts of town. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just, that's yeah, textbook. And they weren't charged. I'm pretty sure they teach they you in charged. depot not to go anywhere near that, by the way. Yeah. And, and none of the, a lot of the people that got dropped off out in that, um, that impound area Almost out in the country, of none of them were charged. Who should have been charged? The cops. Yes. Yeah. That's unlawful confinement. Yes. And cops went to jail for that in well, Saskatchewan. We'll see what the future holds, but I do, I do predict that there will be, um, and I got to be careful about my predictions because sure. I'm kind of, but I think there will be future lawsuits. I hope so. <clears throat> Excuse me. I do too. I absolutely do. But to see him to sit, like he sat there and said, um, what, words to the effect of, it's rein, reinstated or reinstilled my pride in, in my former uh, professional policing. Yeah. And, and he said that, and I just kind of wanted to, I threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, okay. It was a little flag waving patriotic garbage. Yeah. He doesn't realize he's saying it to the defund the police crowd. Yeah. By the way, that's his, his keynote <laughs> exactly. audience there. Exactly. Um, but he also said he didn't see any evidence of yeah. uh, unreasonable uh, yeah. force used against the protesters. He didn't want to see any evidence. He wasn't of, looking. Of there, there are compilations that exist on YouTube that I have watched mm -hmm. since being here, and they are compilations of people literally being beat by the police yes. officers in Ottawa. There's the video of the woman holding the, the flower right up to the yeah. police yes. officer, and he smashed her across her forearm to knock the flower out of her hand. Yeah. This, this happened in Canada. I want to I want to bring up another interesting point. Sorry, it's been such a long twelve hours. My brain is lagging consistent. It's like that loading meme, that yeah, loading bar. But um, specifically in regards to the the threats and the the violence, etc. I want to bring this back to actually CSIS when Vinault was a uh, Vigno Vigno when he was talking. I <laughs> just sorry rolled my eyes so hard. Um, but when he was talking about what makes an IMBV or whatever that yeah. horrible yeah. abbreviation is. And he was saying, he was talking about the very specific um, triggers that people have. And it wasn't so much about the concern of the people saying these things that were apparently uh, radical, but the consumers of that information and, and yeah. how that could inherently relate back to um, violence. And yeah. Yeah. So when not one single protester has been charged with violence or committing violence against anybody, but you have police officers that are committing violence on such a huge scale. I don't care what anybody says. Go watch those YouTube compilations. Tell me differently. <laughs> Where is the CSIS? <laughs> Where's the media, by the way? Oh, 100%. But why are they not conducting these 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 periods of research or, or intel? Why are they not 
asking themselves oh, the there. same questions. These police officers can sue this information from their prime minister, by the way. He was the first one to say yeah, it. Yeah, he's radicalizing people. Exactly. If that's, I think that's the point you're trying to make here is uh, Justin Trudeau is the one radicalizing yes. people. hundred percent. And they fed into it. a week telling people the Nazis are coming 100%. to your town. And so you've got all these like low-level loser activists mm -hmm who have like punched Nazis on their laptop. They never seen a Nazi. They certainly couldn't punch somebody in their life. Absolutely but ridiculous. Finally, the Nazis are coming to your town. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Punch them. Yeah. Yeah. So you've yeah. radicalized a police force. And, th and this was something that I was sitting there. I was listening to all these definitions through, they were showing these, uh, these charts through CSIS. And as I'm listening to it, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm not, I don't see them describing protesters. I see mm -hmm. them describing the Liberal Party of yeah, Canada. Sure. <laughs> That's what I heard. I mean, I had to look up uh, IMBE. I've looked up, up several times to see if the Liberal Party of Canada meets the definition yeah. of IMBE. I'm, I'm happy to say that they don't technically meet that definition, but I would certainly see them falling in under more of a, um, when they were talking about actions that other people take that inspire yeah. an accelerationist outcome. And if you look at everything Justin Trudeau did, he, he set the conditions for the public to believe that there was bad actors amongst the, yes. the convoy. Yes. He said but there he also, were. Yeah. He set those conditions for people to become bad actors within the convoy. Sure. Right. And then you've got law enforcement coming in from all over the country that think that they're going in to beat up bad people, that they're yeah. actually, they're police officers believing they're going to a new city to do good and to protect the public at large, yeah. only to come there and see them, you know, they're thrown off by the fact that, wait a minute, this lady's handing me a flower. Well, that's what happens when you're, when Justin Trudeau, the prime minister mm -hmm. is inciting violence. Yes. And it's not the violence mm -hmm. that he's portraying happened that occurred. Yes. The protesters were not violent, but he incited violence. And now he's talking about yeah. people that are violent and the hypocrisy is so sickening. Mm -hmm. it, like I could yeah. drown in it. There's so much Can in I the room. Can I tell you something I discovered about the media today? <laughs> I was poking around and I don't, I don't think I discovered it. It's just a thing I found about CBC today. So I was poking mm -hmm. around because Bill Blair said I didn't see any instances of violence. So I thought <laughs> I'm just going to Google violence in the convoy. And I like found like... 10. But I also found an image from CBC that I had never seen before. Oh, yeah. And it is of Alexa being struck. CBC, I know you do, CBC, if you're watching, and I know you hate watch. I know that you have images of Alexa being struck because you used it as a thumbnail in one of your stories. 100%. And I can see Alexa's red jacket in her hair. And so I know that you have footage that you're sitting on of her being struck. And it is was one of the biggest stories in the world that day. And mm -hmm. you're burying it. You have a different angle of what happened to Alexa. And I know the media does this because when I was hit by that little puke, Dion Buse, go to DionBuse.com, <laughs> where, where that video will live forever. Um, in my footage of him hitting me, I could see a guy from CP from the Canadian press taking pictures of what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, I said, the whole place is teeming with journalists. Why didn't, where, where's the other footage? Mm -hmm. Oh, we don't have any. Mm -hmm. So then I looked carefully through my footage and I said, oh shit, there you are. Yeah. Sorry, I swore, but uh, it's a long day. <laughs> um, but I could see him taking pictures of me getting yeah. hit. 
And only then did the alternative angles come out because I yeah. could prove that he was standing in my footage taking yeah. pictures of me. What's sad for me is to, when I watch that, I've seen that. The women whisk him away? Nobody, nobody intervened. Yeah. Like there's no, like, I don't know. I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I can't comprehend why he wasn't out cold about 30 seconds after he did Do you know that. what? Because then it would have been Rebel News journalist knocks oh, out know. of the <laughs> male feminist. <laughs> what a headline though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Oof, I know. What a headline. No, mm. well, I will. Okay, I'll, get I'll leave next that time. alone. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> no, uh, no, yeah, no, no. Um, yeah. Um, you know what? Alone. It is ten oh seven at night. Um, it's been a very long day for me and Selena. I've started to swear on air, so um, that's usually not what I do. <laughs> I'm I, almost there. I'm almost I there. I normally stop the journalists from swearing, but here we are. <laughs> We've got one super chat um, from um from annalisa 1964 thank you annalisa who writes to us i just wanted to let you all know that you're doing an amazing job you have no idea how many times today i said grr well you know probably as many times as me and celine and tom here too um i described at one point today bill blair as a psychic vampire who was drinking my etheric <laughs> energy from across the room like i was a yogurt tube a tuber <laughs> just so draining listening to him lie mm -hmm. but um the good news is that um it's only interest of pub the public getting transparency they might never get answers but at least the documents are all there for us to see well i said before coming here that because i was here in the beginning of ottawa and i saw everything that happened and then whatever transpired afterwards i also saw um that i would be damned if i came here and i didn't do everything in my power to stop them from writing history wrong and yeah. i will commit to doing that for as long as i'm here we all will we all we do mm -hmm. tom thanks again well i think bill blair's motto should be the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, God. It's and been a no, day. He's fine with them issuing beatings. I um, hope he retires soon. Oh, God. I don't know. The way his face is so ready, I think diabetes is going to get him before retirement ever does. There anyway. it is. <laughs> there it is. Anyways, let's wrap up the stream. I'm getting ridiculous. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, Tom, for thank always you. being so generous with your time, even though it's late at night. Celine, thank you for all the hard work you put in today. Thank you guys behind the screen, including William K2, Guillaume, who was pepper sprayed and has often forgotten that that happened to him. Thank you at home to everybody who's tuning in. Thank you to uh, Efron, who's probably on the other side of this stream. Um, I will be catching a flight before the stream tomorrow, but I will be tweeting all day and it'll probably be you, likely you, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, William uh, running the stream tomorrow. And uh, you can follow all of my tweets tomorrow mm -hmm. at truckercommission.com. And that's where you can support our work too here. And uh, you guys are going to keep this Airbnb clean after I leave, right? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks. <laughs> and as David Menzies always says, stay sane. Are you liking the banter on our live stream that you're watching right now? If so, you should know that you can get exclusive Rebel News content by going to rebelnewsplus.com. You'll get special shows from my colleague Sheila Gunn-Reed, Ezra Levant, as well as the Menzoid Menzies. And you'll also get to view our exclusive documentaries, including the one that tells you the truth of what was actually discovered, at least what is known to be discovered so far at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Take a look at the trailer. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. 
Many of you know that just over a year ago, the discovery of the remains of 215 children was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School at the Kamloops Shiswemek First Nation. But what if I were to show you that what I just said wasn't true, and that in fact, a year later, not a single body has been found? This mass grave is a painful reminder of the genocide. Canada's leaders aren't condemning the burning of churches. No, they're endorsing the burning of churches. A juvenile rib bone that surfaced in the same area. You'd be surprised the number of people who say, I'm a doctor, I'm a paramedic. This is definitely a human bone, and it's hmm. definitely not. It's like the chief. It is. 